0: I want to begin with a story of uh, a time in my life that was really hard. I'd, I'd been stuck in the same spot for a long time. I was under immense pressure, and, and I was in the dark. Um, I didn't know what was going on, and it was a unique uh, struggle in my life. It was, it was this one time in my life where I felt like I was a man trapped in a woman's body. And it was the day that my mother gave birth to me. I know, it's terrible, isn't it? But you can all relate. We, can all, we all understand that there's something about being in darkness and coming to the light. Have any of you guys camping as a kid got lost in the woods at night? Anyone? A few hands? Yeah. In the daytime. In the daytime. Yeah, scarier when it's dark outside. And we know how good it is when we see someone with a flashlight, when we see someone with a campfire. And it seems to be a universal human condition that we, just, we know what it is to be in the dark. It's to be sick. It's to be lost. It's to be confused. It's to be hopeless. And we know what it is to see the dawn, to see light breaking, to see hope arising, all right? Joy, finances, a job, love, relationships, home, the coming of the light. And this world right now is in darkness. Most of us are in the dark or have been recently. If you guys remember back to 2020, you know, in like two weeks, we'll be celebrating the four-year anniversary of the lockdowns. We were praising God this morning for the ability to breathe without a mask, you know, at least mandated to gather together in person. This is good. But that, that longing as humanity, because we're facing an uncertain future, who's going to show us the way? Like who can lead us along these darkened paths that are our lives? And where is our hope? Because I met a man this week who was in darkness. He came into our parking lot here pushing a shopping cart. And he'd been on the streets for almost a year. And he has no family and he has no friends and he has no couch to sleep on. And he can't get work because he's dealing with major health issues and has like these terrible looking open sores running up and down his leg. And he told me that his only hope and what he was longing for was to die. And not because he believed in Jesus, but because he believed that when you die, it's it, game over, you're done. And oblivion sounded better than the pain that is his current life. He's living in darkness with no hope of dawn. And he's not alone. People have encountered these kinds of situations throughout time. I went through a book recently that is the story of a Holocaust survivor A man named Eli Weissel, who entered the Nazi concentration camps with his family as a teenager, and only him. He was the only one who came out on the other side. And recounting this hopeless situation in which all hope died, including his faith, he just wrote a story and he simply titled it Night. Now, for most of us, things are not that intense but we're all still trying to make sense of life and to know why are we here? Where do we belong? What are we supposed to do? And this morning, I hope to give you hope, light. Because 2,000 years ago, an early disciple of Jesus named Matthew penned the story of what he heard and he saw about a man named Jesus. And Matthew understood that who this person is, this guy that was wandering around ancient Palestine was actually light to those living in darkness, and so he wrote about it in the Gospels, which have then been compiled into our modern day bibles and we 're going to read from Matthew chapter four verse twelve. This is the beginning of Jesus' public career in ministry. when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been put into prison, he withdrew up to Galilee so if you 're familiar with you know the region of Palestine if you 've been watching the news, you know that on the far west, they have the Mediterranean Sea, and then they have, they call it the Sea or the Lake of Galilee. There's a the Jordan River, and then there's the Dead Sea. All right, Jerusalem's down here, and Jesus is going from the south down here, and he goes up north to Galilee. And leaving his hometown of Nazareth, he went and he lived in Capernaum, which is by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. All right, this ancient tribal allotment of ancient Israel. So it's around the lake region. And he did this to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness, or some of your Bibles read, the people sitting in darkness, have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. 800 years before Jesus walked this earth, the prophet Isaiah talked about this region of Israel and he called it Galilee of the nations. And he says, and it was a dark place that had gone through some dark things. And the reason Isaiah could say that is because 800 years before Jesus walked the world, the Assyrian empire had come in. They had surrounded the capital city of Israel and they laid siege to it. This is ancient warfare. Rather than fight you when you're strong, we'll just simply set up a blockade around your town and starve you out. So we're gonna chill here for a year plus until there's no more food in the city and people are doing all those horrible things that happen when people are literally starving to death. And at the moment that you are so weak that you cannot put up any fight, we'll just walk on in like we own the place. And the Assyrian Empire took the northern nation of Israel and they deported them out into exile and they scattered them across the Assyrian Empire and they took other conquered people and they put them in the Israelite community. And so Galilee became the place of the Gentiles, a place of all this intermingling. It was a place of darkness. It had seen a lot of dark things. And yet Isaiah could say that up there where things are dark and not going well, light is going to dawn. God's promised Messiah is going to come. And where Isaiah said these people are walking around in darkness, 800 years later, I think Matthew just tweaks it to say at this point they're sitting down. They're just stuck and from that time on, Jesus, the light dawning in darkness, he began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Or as I, you know, paraphrased it last week, hey, everybody, listen up. The creator God of heaven and earth has begun to come down and deal with the mess that is going on on planet earth. So y'all better get your act together because he is on the scene and things are going to be changing around here. Repent. For the kingdom, the rule and reign of heaven has arrived. Now, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'm going to send you out to fish for people. Hey, you guys working your day job, stop it. Get in line because I'm going to change you. I'm going to send you out. You're fishing for, you know, you're fishermen. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Come follow after me. Leave your occupations. It doesn't matter anymore. Something more urgent has come up now that I'm here. I, I imagine this is kind of like, well, basically almost anywhere. If the SWAT team arrived and the police are holding guns and they shout, everybody freeze. Doesn't matter what your agenda is. Doesn't matter what you're hoping to do. You know, people with threat of violence have shown up and we're all going to hold still or we're going to be dealt with. Jesus comes without the threat of violence. He's just a man walking on the shore. And yet when he calls, his voice carries apparently such authority that at once they left their nets and they followed him. They abandoned their equipment and they followed him. And my only explanation for why in the world this makes any sense is that these are people who were sitting in darkness. And when someone came and brought light to them, the only thing that made sense is that they got up and they went. And they followed after him. Matthew's gospel is not one to go for subtlety. It's not one to go to for nuance. It's one that just keeps confronting us with the authority and power and the call of Christ. Come, follow me. And I'm going to change you, and I'm going to send you out to fish for people, he says to these two brothers. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Here in the western United States, we exist, whether you knew it or not, in the most individualistic culture in the history of the world. All right? There's, there's never been a group of people that has so few family ties as we do. And, and the message we consistently get from Disney and, and others in the media is follow your own heart. Like, look within yourself, and you choose who you are and what you do. Okay? That is not how the rest of the world works. In fact, in most cultures and most times, <laughs> your family will tell you exactly who you are and what you're supposed to do, and, uh, and you're going to listen because they're your fa- family. That's your family father. I mean, in, in ancient Roman cultures, <laughs> you were essentially property of your own dad, even if you were a grown man, all right? And and I'm not saying that was right, I'm just saying that was. I mean, and even even Disney can't quite get away from it. You know, if you guys watch that old movie Lilo and Stitch, personal favorite of mine, like a hooray for a super destructive but hyper cute little individual who's blue. But the message of the movie, Johanna means family, and family means Anyone Disney family. Family means what? (laughs) No one gets left behind unless Jesus calls you. In which case, bye dad. Because that guy on the shore just called us to come follow him. And so we're leaving the boat. And we're leaving you. And we're following him. Now like I said, like Matthew is not one for subtlety. We will find out at the end of the gospel of Matthew that (laughs) James and John, their mom is following around with them helping to support Jesus and his ministry. So it's not a complete severance of family ties and relationships, but here, Matthew doesn't tell us that. He just says, Jesus called, they followed. Because apparently when you're sitting in darkness and you see the light, the only thing that makes sense is to go follow it. And Jesus went throughout Galilee. He was teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. This is his ministry. He's teaching, he's preaching, and he's healing. And what is he preaching? It's the good news of the kingdom. If you want to know the the summary of everything that Jesus taught, it can be summarized this, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign come to earth, all right? And people are called to repent. So if you ever tell someone about the good news of Jesus, you are preaching. Congratulations. But he's also teaching in their synagogues, and we would like to know what he was teaching. And fortunately for us, Matthew knows that. And so for the next three chapters, Matthew's going to give us a block of Jesus' authoritative teaching, and then the following two chapters, he's going to show us Jesus' authoritative healing ministry, all right? So we're, we're summarizing it here, and we're going to see what that looks like in the chapters to come. Well, news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain. We know some people who live in that condition and the demon-possessed, and those who have seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them. He healed them. And so large crowds from Galilee, and the Decapolis, and Jerusalem, and Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him, which is the general way of just saying everywhere. All right? People heard, there's a guy who can cure anything. And so not only are sick people coming, but others are, they're carrying the sick people. Because frankly, if there was a clinic in the world today that could cure whatever it is that ails you or anybody else 100% and it was free, it could be in Moscow, we'd go. It could be in North Korea, shoot, Antarctica, I don't care where it is, we're going to be there (laughs) because it, it happens fairly quickly and it's free, we're showing up. And so a huge amount of crowds begin to follow Jesus. This is the beginning. This is not the end. This is the start. And four times in this brief section, we hear the words, follow. Light has dawned in darkness, and the only thing that makes sense is to follow it. Jesus' authority commands these fishermen, come after me. And they drop everything, and they do. Now, they might be stupid. We have to acknowledge that. Like, maybe these are just dumb fools who got swindled or cheated or lured away from a profitable occupation. And yet Matthew's gospel doesn't pan that out. Just walk through. (laughs) Experience the teachings of Jesus. See the authority of Jesus. And by the time you get to the end of the gospel, you realize, no, these guys were the smart ones. In fact, Jesus will end up saying that anyone who leaves father or mother or or property or wife or children, like anything for my sake, will receive in this life a hundred times more and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus says, it'll be worth it. Trust me, it'll be worth it. And here he says, if you guys follow me, I'm gonna work on you and I'm gonna change you and one day I'm gonna spend your life on other people. And by the time we get to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, that's exactly what Jesus does. He commissions these disciples who get their start here and he sends them out into the world to go tell other people about Jesus. And so... Responding to this, guys, it's really, it's pretty straightforward. All right, Jesus has brought light to the human condition. And the only thing we can do is to follow him. And so if you're not sure about Jesus, if you're just checking him out, I'll just, (laughs) I'll pull a Matthew and I'm not going to pull a punch. Follow him. Just follow Jesus. Go learn from him. Go, Go see what he did, see what he says, and then pattern that with your life and watch as you mature and Jesus one day will spend your life on other people and he's worth it. And if you're in an occupation that would prevent you from following Jesus. Quit. He's worth it. If you're in a family that would prevent you from following Jesus. Leave. I don't say that lightly. Believe. Because he is the light that has come the darkness of the human condition. I read a book called um, Seeking Allah and Finding Jesus by a guy named Nabil Qureshi. He is a, a very conservative Muslim man who ended up becoming a Christian, and he recounted his story. And I'll skip most of it. But when he finally became a Christian, that was essentially the end of his relationship with his family because they're Muslims, and if you're Muslim, you do not become a Christian. And he had a great relationship with his parents. I mean, they, they were like this. And uh, following Jesus cost him that. And he watched as his father wept for the first and only time he's ever seen that in his life. And it, and it broke him inside. And so he's pouring out his heart to God and saying, God, why would you let me bring such pain upon my father? And just like snot crying is undone. And he says, one of the few times I've ever heard (laughs) the audible voice of God, God broke into my prayers and said, because it's not about you. Because it's not about him. It's about God. It's about Jesus. And apparently he is the one who has the authority to call people to come and follow him and leave everything behind. So follow Jesus. Now, there's some people, and I, don't, I hope you're not one of them. There's some people who have believed in Jesus, and we've chosen to follow him up to a point, the, and then we stopped. The, the term disciple is not used here. It's used in the next two verses. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. The word disciple, it means learner. All right, so what did it take to be a disciple of Jesus? Well, you're part of the crowd, and, uh, and you have to hike a mountain. That makes you a learner of Jesus. You got to go where he is, sit down and, and hear what he has to say. And there's some people who will learn from Jesus up to a point and then they'll stop. They, they hit a, a roadblock where they say, Jesus, I have followed you to this point, And I'm not really willing to go further because again, Matthew doesn't pull any punches. You read the gospel of Matthew and I don't care how long you have been following Jesus. He will offend you and he will tell you that you have not gone far enough. All right, he's always at least, I don't know, 17 million steps ahead of us, but at least one. All right, further up and further in, and you can never stop because he, he's just always better. And if he wasn't so kind and good and loving and generous, it would be really discouraging because it's like you can never satisfy him. And yet the truth is that he, he loves us completely as, as we are as well. But I would challenge you to follow Jesus to choose to take the next step. And in my hope and my goal as we go through the Gospel of Matthew together is that each one of us, myself included, will take that next step in following Jesus, that we will choose to not put up you know, the roadblocks and, and to resist him, but to yield again and to say, all right, one more step, one more commitment, one more um, One more practice that I haven't yet incorporated into my life. One more habit to begin to develop. One more person in my life who's really, really frustratingly annoying. And yet, I think I'm called to love them. One more step. Now, there's some of you who might be bored with light. You've been in it for a long time, and it just seems like, oh, this is a a no duck kind of thing. You're bored with Jesus. And I will tell you, if you're bored with Jesus, you got to go spend time with people in darkness. All right, go hang out with that homeless guy with sores running up and down his legs with no hope at all, all right, and, and be reminded of how good light and hope is. Okay, go, go down to Dornbecker's Children's Hospital and see families that have been ravaged by sin, I mean, and ravaged by disease and death coming upon the most vulnerable and most innocent people and realize that if, if there is no resurrection, if there is no restoration of all things, then, then all that suffering is meaningless. But if God can raise the dead, then all is not yet lost. Go spend time with people in darkness and realize how good the light actually can be. And if you are a Jesus follower and all of this is just preaching to the choir, well, praise God, here's the agenda. That you'll follow Jesus and the time will come when he will use you and your gifts and your talents and your occupation and everything else about you and he's gonna spend you on other people. He's going to go and send you out and commission you to bring the blessings of God into the lives of other people. So, that, so that's the end goal is that you're not mature in Jesus until you're spiritually reproducing yourself in the lives of other people. So as we go through Matthew, just, you know, look out, but this is where we're going because light has dawned in darkness and Jesus has said, come follow me. And the only thing that makes any sense is for us to get up and go after him. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, Thank you for your goodness and thank you for your son and thank you for this day. God, I am tempted sometimes to say, isn't this enough? Haven't we gone far enough? And yet, God, you, you love us, but like a good father, you, you're not gonna stop working on us until we look like your son. And I thank you that for your promise, that you said you have begun your work and one day you're gonna bring it to completion and that you're patient with us um, and faithful to lead us. So Jesus, may we, uh, this year, may we get in step with you and and more in sync with you. May we see how you lived and what you said and pattern our lives off of it. Will you give us wisdom to see in, in our world today the kinds of things that you care about and may we get behind them. May we pour out our lives for the sake of other people and bring the blessings you brought into our life and use them to make other people's lives better and may we carry this good news. That God has shown up to begin to set the world right, and one day He's going to fulfill it completely in Jesus Christ. God, you've given us light, so may we learn not to run from the darkness, but rather to run towards it. Because you're worthy, and you're good, and you love us. Amen.